and welcome to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. Heritage Radio Network broadcasts from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, Great Bushwick, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. And We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture. And that's right. That's <laughs> what we do every week. <laughs> we, make, we make planting smart. Um, and in doing so, we want to talk today about the naming of plants. So, you mean in a biblical sense? It, well, <laughs> kind of. So what's in a name, Shakespeare asked. That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Well, according to proven winners, one of the leaders of plant propagating and marketing, there is big money and market share in the naming of plants. So to help us learn a little bit more about the behind-the-scenes action in plant marketing. We have a great guest today, Carrie Meyer from Proven Winners. Um, again, a, a grower of fabulous and familiar plants to us as retail buyers. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, in doing some research for today's show, um, I learned that Proven Winners is owned by three leading plant... I'm sorry, the three leading plant... Plant propagators, say that three times fast. <laughs> propagator. <laughs> plant propagator in the U.S., uh, which are Euro-American in California, Four Star Greenhouse in Michigan, and Pleasant View Gardens in New Hampshire. So of these three propagators, Carrie, what's the market share of plants that you all produce for the retail market? Yeah, that's a really tough number to get at. Um, and I was talking with my boss about this a little bit, and... The, indus- the total industry numbers are hard to come by, and it lags a couple of years behind. At a rough guesstimate, we're talking 5%, but that 5% is much greater if you look at the category that we actually sell our plants in, which a lot of people will call it premium annuals okay, right. versus bedding annuals. So it kind of depends on how you parse up the industry, what percentage we have. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'm sure our listeners are familiar with your product. Um, in fact, I was just walking by our local bo- bodega down the street um, that, that sells annuals and, and perennials just on a very seasonal market. And there they were, right on 7th Avenue in Brooklyn, proven winners. And I was so excited because I thought, oh my God, look, you know, here it is. It's not just in the nurseries. It's now, you know, available on, on the street, so to speak. <laughs> and we're starting to get really good recognition and, and really good kind of use technical terms, semi-technical terms, market penetration, and (laughs) we've got more plants. Some some parts of the country have a better selection of proven winners than other parts of the country. I'm not really sure why exactly, but it kind of depends a little bit where you are, and we get asked quite often where we can, where people can find our plants, and I will usually tell them that almost every garden center or plant outlet that's selling annuals will probably have at least a few proven winners. Exactly. So exactly. do you have uh, criteria for people to um, to grow your plants? Uh, do you, are you selective about who, you know, grows them on and then brings them to the retail market? You know, that is a big discussion point within our company often mm-hmm. because there are a huge number of growers out there that sure. do an excellent job with plant material and then there are some that don't do as good a job. Mm-hmm. And right now, we don't have a program in place that says, hey, you have to agree to a set of standards to grow our plant material. And it would be really tough for us to police that. So sure. 
we sell to something like six to 8,000 different wholesale and or retail growers mm-hmm. that grow the plants on. And so the quality can sometimes be uh, variable, but we work really hard at educating our growers. And for the last, I think, about five years now, we've done um, six, we call them a road show, and it's a day-long event for growers and retailers, and it's all about all the cultural information to grow our plants better, all the tips and tricks that we know. And then for the retail side, it's all the tips and tricks that we know for marketing and selling to the home gardener. Mm-hmm. Right, so because we you're do, putting your name on it. Yes, we yeah. are. Yeah. And yeah. it's a very scary thing knowing that you've done your best and what we sell are the little rooted liners, which are the little baby plants. Uh-huh. And um, then they go to the growers to be finished. And it's a really scary thing knowing that you're staking your brand to yeah. somebody else's quality. Well, especially <laughs> six to 8,000 different yeah. growers in, in all yeah. different climactic zones and different conditions, different size growers. Different types of greenhouses make a big difference. Right. And water quality. And yeah, and there's a lot of factors. Right. And um, fertilizers and, you mm-hmm. know, organic versus non-organic, etc. It's a... It's a wild uh, pendulum. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, because it's a very, it's a very interesting industry in the sense that if, if Calvin Klein, you know, sort of gives out his name to, to T-shirt makers and, you know, in somewhere in China or Honduras or whatever, it's a lot easier to quality control a T-shirt than something that is seasonal and, um, you know, very subject to weather conditions mm-hmm. and pests and things like that. So it's amazing that... It's it's quite amazing how how many growers you have and how how much of the market you have actually penetrated. Yeah, you know the other thing is is uh, shelf life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a very perishable product, and if you go a day in summer without watering, that's going to vastly impact. Sure. Quality and it and it'll happen once it gets to the retail garden center too. And right. Overwatering sometimes is every bit as bad or worse than underwatering. Exactly. Exactly. So at all the different steps, there's the potential for disaster. <laughs> right. Well, I know that in the in the past, um, most plants were named by the person who propagated or discovered them, like the Forsythia, you know, which is attributed to Mr. William Forsyth, that Scottish gardener. Um, he was the director of the Chelsea Physic Garden in the late 1700s. And I, I think most of our listeners know Forsythia. It's that yellow flowering shrub that blooms in mid-April and ends seasonal affected disorder for so many people. (laughs) Um, It's also known, FYI, as Brooklyn's Shrub. Yes. Um, But it bears his name due to the showy nature and wild habit of the shrub, which when you do a little research more about him, you realize it's it's actually very descriptive of his character um, and his nature when you read about his kind of methods of, of directing the Chelsea Physic Garden. So how has that changed now from people names and kind of character description to marketing names such as Sutura Cabana Blue, which actually reminds me of J. Crew in the 1980s and the naming of sweaters as avocado or thistle. <laughs> names that are not literal anymore, but instead evoke a feeling or a response. Yeah, and we're definitely going for that feeling or response. And a lot of how I choose a name is based on it has to feel right for me. I'll start out with a list of sometimes a dozen or more names for a specific plant before I kind of hit on the one I like, and it comes down to me feeling like it suits the plant. Uh-huh. Um, but to go back to Forsythia, and there's, there's two different kinds of names. So Forsythia is the genus, and it's part of that scientific name, the genus and species. And right, right. that's different from what we do with 
kind of what I would call a marketing name. So with genus and species, you will generally, it, it's still, I think, fairly often common to use a, a person's the discoverer's name or in, in honor of somebody. Yes. And those names have to go before some board somewhere that certifies that that is a new genus and, you know, that whole kind of right. well, level. The and taxonomy, then, all yeah. the taxonomy. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the tux- taxonomy stuff. And then ours is a little bit different. Um, yeah, yours is more emotional and marketed. <laughs> it's very much more and emotional. And it's the cultivars. It's the cultivars. of color or, yeah, those kinds of things. And actually, you talked about the um, cabana bacopa. Yeah. That is a plant... Uh, that is a, a plant that when they changed the genus, it, it was originally the genus Bacopa, and mm-hmm. the company that named it called it uh, Bacopa Cabana, <laughs> which I thought was just brilliant. <laughs> and then I think they that's changed really it from hilarious. Bacopa. a great song, too. <laughs> I thought that was just the best. And then the taxonomist changed the genus from Bacopa to Sutera and ruined it. Okay, I hate yeah. when they do that. <laughs> yeah. I hate when they change the genus, like, you know, well, and it's sad 300 for the, years later. Yeah, and it's sad for the 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 consumer who's just learning the plant names you know (laughs) yeah it takes them forever to learn it and then they're like oh it's been changed but actually isn't this you probably know about this carrie i'm diverting Mm -hmm. a little bit but aren't they doing that in britain i i I, somebody just told me that they're changing all the all the taxonomist names into into like some new classification I don't know if they're they're doing like a whole brand new classification. I know there are a lot of changes going on. Well, uh, because now scientists are starting to drill down and compare DNA between plants. Right. And so they're starting to learn more about how closely things are related. So I think we're seeing a lot of shifting in genus and species. Um, <laughs> Linnaeus so. is rolling around in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Poor guy. <laughs> he had it all down. He had it all down. Does he still get credit? <laughs> he still gets credit. But the, uh, uh, the, the taxonomists, in my experience, they fall into two classes. They're the lumpers that want fewer <laughs> genus and genera and fewer species. And then there are the splitters who want... More. Everything to be really finely. You mean split. the hair splitters? <laughs> yeah. hair splitters. And so I think they're in a little tug of war, and sometimes the lumpers are winning, and sometimes the splitters are winning. It's the lumpers versus the splitters. All right, I can, picture, I can picture that the taxonomists definitely fall into a certain category of, yeah. of people in horticulture. They're, they're in the class by yeah. the, okay. or should I say genus or phylum by themselves. <laughs> really kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Come on. We're digressing. We're, digressing. We're talking about marketing here. All right. So what's the criteria for name selection? Tell us about the trials. Okay. For trials, um, trials are actually happen for us before we come up with the names. And uh, there's what I would call three levels of trials. So there's what we would call a breeder level of trial, and that's the plant breeder who is out there. We work with like 60 or 70 different plant breeders across the world, mm-hmm. and they will do their breeding and select their plants that they like and do some, some trials. And when they have something that they, think that, that's, uh, that they think is good, they will contact us and say, hey, we have a plant or several plants we think might be good for you guys. Would you want them? And we'll say yes, and then we'll take them. And we'll put them in a proven winner's level trial. Okay. And then we will trial them for two years, and we trial them a minimum of two years. We'll trial them in the greenhouse to check greenhouse performance. But then we also trial them out in the landscape as uh, landscape plantings and also in containers. And we put in proven winners a huge premium on choosing plants with really good garden performance. 
mm-hmm. because we want plants that the home gardener can take home and be successful with that right. don't necessarily need a lot of maintenance. Uh, and you don't have to necessarily be, you know, a lot of people think you have to be a green thumb. Right, right. And if you choose the right plants, you don't really need to be a green thumb mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. But we we're trying to that. take that guesswork out. Yeah, the right plant and the right selection or in the right placement. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And then after our proven winners couple of years, we'll go, okay, now we have these 15, you know, somewhere around 15 to 20 varieties that we would generally introduce a year. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where I start naming once we have it refined really well. And then the year between we decide when, hey, this is a plant we want to introduce, and then it takes another year and a half, really, for it to be on the retail market. Wow. And during that year and a half, um, we send, we decide in fall and that following summer, so this coming summer, the brand new things will be at university and independent public trial gardens okay. around the U.S. and Canada. And that's after we've already named them and getting them out there into, we send about 50 different gardens. Okay. And they'll go out to the independent trials and we'll start to really refine and, and get some even better information on regionality and that kind of thing. Cool. Well, that's a lot of... Um a lot of time and effort to create a proven winner. <laughs> it takes is, a minimum of, I think I figured it out, it's six to seven years if everything goes perfect. Wow. Wow. So that calabacoa, let's say, you know, or petunia that... Or bacopa. Or bacopa Sutura. or sutera or whatever, <laughs> um, that comes out this year, this summer, that you can buy. You get So you have to think about colors and like I fashions and like yeah. really really well in advance it's not yeah. just like the fashion industry usually working about a year in advance right or a season a in really advance. and we do vegetative annuals which means you take a cutting and grow roots versus mm-hmm. seed produced mm-hmm. you know growing them from seed and seed readers you're talking a minimum of a decade yeah. I know. so you have to anticipate in the year 2003 what people want in the year 2010 right which is very interesting we do to some extent, but you're also, it all comes down to the best plant. And if right. you're really breeding on, you, you know the traits you want. You want vigor and branching and good flower size and number. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know you want a range of colors. Um, and you know what colors you already have. Right. So you're, you're breeding for the whole color range usually. And then it's going, okay, well, everybody's loving purple now. Right. So you want to try and make sure you've got a good purple, but... Uh, a lot of it just comes down, if you, if you don't have the great plant to go with the it color, you don't introduce the plant. Sure, sure. We have to take one break. Um, we'll be back with Carrie Mayer from Proven Winners. Give us one second. We're Absolutely. Listening, we're listening to Bob Dylan. Man gave names to the animals. You're listening to We Did Plants on Heritage Radio. Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we're here with Carrie Meyer of Proven Winners talking about 
plant branding and marketing. So, um, and trialing. And trialing and trialing and trialing again. Not the Socratic tie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing that I love about your website, Carrie, is your regional plant matrix. This kind of details the best plants and why, which is so important to gardeners as they you know, select the plants for the garden. Can you tell us a little bit more about that regional list? Yeah, the regional list, um, we talked a little bit earlier about all the different plant trials that we send plants to and the fact that there's around 50 of them. And one of the things that I do is most of those trials will send back a trial report, and it'll list um, scores, basically, for the summer for each of the plants. And some of them will list uh, award winners. Some of them will just, you know, I'll go and I'll, I'll look for which plants had the highest scores. And about eight years ago, I started collecting all those plants in a database, figuring this is really good information that we're not capturing anywhere. And I created um, this database with all the trial information from across the U.S. and Canada. And I have it in a database online, and it's broken down by region and the specific trial, and you can see the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's searchable. So if you're a gardener in New York and you want it to look for plants that are good for the Northeast, you can. We also have it broken down by specific trials. Mm-hmm. So you could look for any trials that are in New York and do a search to see which plants um, performed especially well in the independent trial that's in your region. Mm-hmm. So this is available to the general public. They can go to your website and yes, kind can. of do the research and then mm-hmm. find out also where to purchase these plants. And you can also find out where to purchase their plant. Yeah. We have a locator, the find a retailer, that'll list um, retailers that carry our products, but that's a list where the retailers have to sign themselves up to be listed, so it's not complete, and sure. you can find us sure. almost anywhere. I actually found this regional matrix um, because I was helping my aunt, who lives in northern Michigan. She had some plant questions, so she called me up and and you know asked me about plant X and plant Y and Mm -hmm. you know blah 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 and I said you know what let's and we both went online together and we looked at you know her region which is the UP in Michigan and um, she was so excited to have this plant information and that's why I I want our listeners to realize this is at your disposal you know so yeah it's not just for the growers or for the professional gardener right it's fun to look up the kind of you know information and just out of curiosity, because yes, you know, that's I what play plant, all the time. <laughs> that's what plant nerds do. <laughs> yeah, I go. Our, our our expanded plant search is kind of like that too. We've got a. Uh, if you click on the plants tab, you can get a a plant search that lets you search on. I don't know a couple dozen different traits. Yeah. And it's really I go in there and play and go. So if I pick butterflies and blue, what do I get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take the guesswork out, and it's kind of. There's so many databases out there. Um, Alice and I use them a lot. I mean, before, you know, Googling and Internet, we had to look through books, yeah. mm-hmm. many books. Right. To, to You know, if a client gave us some specific uh, requirement, like I want to attract birds and butterflies, you know, of course, we have a huge library of gardening books. And it would take some time, actually, to figure out you know, all to put together a plant list, um, but now it's not very hard at all. But I think that's what's it. elevated the industry. And now mm-hmm. people are doing their own research and they're looking around and they're saying to us as garden designers, like, I want this plant, XYZ, and they know 
the you know they know everything about it and then mm-hmm. Carmen and I are kind of sometimes scratching our heads like oh my god where we you know okay <laughs> we can get that for you darn Absolutely. you know <laughs> and it's, yeah. a, it's nearly impossible to keep up with all the brand new plants because we might have 20 but uh, you know there's hundreds of new varieties introduced literally hundreds of new varieties introduced into the U.S. market on flowers every year right right Nobody can keep up with all of them. And the problem is people look at magazines and they Mm -hmm. say, like, I want this, you know, and in my garden. And first we have to see if regionally that's going to work. You know, is it going to be a perennial or an annual for you? Because that photograph is probably, you know, Southern California and we're in New York City. But um, uh, and, you know, we we can use some of those plants. Sure. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely um, it's just heightened the industry i think people's knowledge and and you know perusing of nurseries and seeing your plants versus other plants and you know and and the naming of it and and it's interesting to see how people you know everybody can name a gene a brand yeah yeah. anybody can name yeah anybody can name a, a drink or you know coffee brand or whatever how many people can name plant brands yeah you know and that that's what you all are working on yeah you that know? is what we're working on and actually we do research on how many people know proven winners yeah so and uh seven years ago for the first time we we had done a uh, unaided, unaided and aided brand recognition survey mm-hmm. in garden centers we had a research company do it for us and then we did it again two years ago and we found that in that five-year period our brand recognition our brand recognition more than tripled. Terrific. Over a wow. five-year span. And we had, it was a free-form question, and then we had a, when we were asking unaided, and then we were asking aided, we had a list of about a dozen different plant brands, and there was no other plant brand that had increased recognition. Terrific. Over that five-year period. And well, so we're conducting the study again right now. We've um, completed three out of six locations. We're going to talk to a total of 600 gardeners and see where we are good yeah i can only think of one other brand in a broad sense that people might recognize that that most gardening people might recognize and that's monrovia mm-hmm. they've done a really good job of really branding their plants in a broad way you know on the shrub side for sure yes. and then yeah. older gardeners especially anybody that got seed catalogs probably knows burpee burpee yes exactly. of course yeah, yeah. but you don't really you see them they've got they've started trying to do like a brand in garden centers um which is kind of in its infancy and i don't know if it'll if it'll make it or not but that would be a name that especially older gardeners i think would recognize if they heard it sure yeah well um tell us about some of your favorite or your most unusual plant names as the person that gets to name things i wish i had that job yeah that's a good job it, it, the first two years, it was really fun, and then I realized I wasn't that creative, and it got a whole lot harder. <laughs> did you name the Coleus Texas parking lot? I just want to know. <laughs> I did not name Texas parking lot, but I like that one. There's one called Swinging Linda, too, and I always wonder where Swinging Linda is and <laughs> how much fun she's having. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering favorites. if men, men were naming them. I yeah. Think. <laughs> I think my favorite right now is actually pretty much Picasso, which uh-huh. is one of our brand new names for this year. And um, 
Oh yeah, we were talking about that on yeah. on on a show uh, previously. We were talking about some of our favorite um, annuals, and that came up. Yeah, it well, is, and that was one. Some plants are easier to name than others. Some plants, I'll look at it once and go, "I got it. I know exactly what that name is." And pretty much, Picasso was so hard. And I had a couple of dozen different names, and I didn't like any of them. And I'm pretty sure I was randomly driving in the car when I went, "Oh." Pretty much Picasso. <laughs> so have you, um, have you, let me take it a step further. Have you contacted Paloma Picasso <laughs> with the plant? You need to present her with this plant, I think. We should. We yeah. haven't gone that far yet. We I, haven't. I also found that if you name it in some way to food, people remember. For example, I, there's a, I believe it's a heuchera called creme brulee. Yeah. And right. I'll never mm-hmm. forget that name because it A. It makes your drool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I, I remember the foodie names better than any others, you know? Yeah. You try and connect it. If you can think of something that connects it to something that, something else that people might remember. Yeah. Um, that's good. So the creme brulee is part of our Dolce series, mm-hmm. which oh, is sweet and Italian. Go. Right. So yes. all the plant names are key lime pie and licorice and yeah. So let me ask you, what's your background? Are you like a linguist? What? No, I just I really like words, and some okay. of the the names I I use are just words I like. Like I named a, a series of lantana luscious. Uh huh. Because I think luscious sounds so great, and then right. well, I like alliteration, so luscious lantana works for me. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no, my my background's in horticulture. I grew up on a farm, and I've got a bachelor's and a master's degree in horticulture, and got a minor in um, uh, plant breeding. And I was a plant breeder for five years before I came to work for Proven Winners. So how you must like kick ass at Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah, not want to play Scrabble, Scrabble in a while. Okay. But. <laughs> well, I heard that they they want to bring back at least in England and Scrabble. They wanted to bring back proper names. Oh. And I'm all for that. <laughs> well, in the spelling bee, they in the yeah. National Spelling Bee, they always have horticulture names and words. Do they? Yeah, and uh, really? it's it's insane that these you know ten year old kids know how to spell you know hellebore and you know. I always have to check Boodlia to see the yeah the, the EIA. Yeah. That which way they go. <laughs> yeah. Right. I have a mental block. Well, what advice can you give our listeners um, in gardening and particularly in the Proven Winners brand um, as encouragement? Yeah. What should they buy? Tell us. Proven oh, Winners. What should you buy? Proven Winners. Yeah. My, um, I am actually just working on, I send out our, our newsletter and I just started working on um, a series of articles on my 10 great landscape plants. These are like the 10 plants I think every gardener should try in their landscape uh-huh. because I think they are really widely adaptable. Uh-huh. So I'll tell you that list. Okay. It's Artist Blue Ageratum, All which right. is an ageratum that blooms through the summer in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Wow. Dallas Arboretum, the guy, Jimmy Turner, who does um, like the big beds at the Dallas Arboretum, uses it out front in his peacock topiaries. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. The Boulia, the little, the lo and behold blue chip Boulia, okay, which acts more like a perennial than it does a shrub. It's so compact. That's good I love to know that's good. because it, we need things like that for containers. Yeah, it's like eighteen inches tall and spreads a couple three feet. Wow, mm. fun! It is really really cool. Good. It's not the big beast. <laughs> no, it's not a big beast at all. Only comes in one color, the blue. Okay. Um, Senorita Rosalita Cleomi, which is another one of my favorite names. Senorita yeah. Rosalita. <laughs> that sounds and, like a uh, Frank a, Black song. <laughs> It's actually, I think, an OPI nail polish color. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling is, uh, is, the, 
the sincerest form of flattery, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a cleaning that doesn't set seed. It's not sticky. It's good. Oh, you took away the stickiness. Thank you. <laughs> and it blooms <laughs> all over that. the plant. I mean, it's really, really a good plant. Uh, graceful grass is king tut, which is a cypress, uh-huh. which will get, it's, it'll be an annual, but it'll get 10 feet tall in a season. King Tut, I love well, that. Well, the, the the King Tut show is in New York right now, actually. <laughs> See, that would be perfect. We need yeah. to get King Tut to the King Tut show. See, you need to do the annuals for that for the Met. Come on, we do. Yeah, so I'll actually write well, that down because our marketing director would like that idea. Oh, actually, it's not at the Met; it's at the Starwood Hotel. Starwood Hotel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really? Diamond frost euphorbia. Uh-huh. We love diamond frost. We use it's it all my the time. Plant. Yeah. Great. Oh. And I always tell people, do not be fooled by its wispy appearance. It is tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. Diamond or, Frost, good name. You know, uh, my boss and I debate this because that was a really tough one to name. Uh-huh. And I am absolutely convinced that the plant made the name. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of the name making the plant. Yeah. My boss says, it's the perfect name. I'm like, yeah, I remember naming that one. It was not the one where we're thinking, woohoo, great name. Yeah, but, yeah. but you're right. It's a great plant that made a great name. You're right. I agree with you. Um, and then... Dolce black currant, which is one of the coral bells, one of the heuchera, which mm-hmm. is good in sun or shade, and it's dark purple with silvering on the leaves, and then when it's cold, it turns plummy colors. Yes. And it's a nice big bushy one. Uh-huh. Um, for sweet potato vines, the Illusion Midnight Lace, which mm-hmm. is a really frilly, lacy-looking sweet potato vine. Okay. That's black foliage, so um, really kind of finely cut palmate leaves. It's mm. brand new this spring. Kind of sexy. Oh, we'll have to look for that. I'm sure our, our grower has it. I'm sure Brand they're... new. It's very cool. Okay. Uh, and it looks, it feels different than other um, Ipameas do. Okay. And then uh, Luscious Citrus Blend Lantana, because it's a big one, uh, and it's red, orange, and, and yellow. And I like the, the bright colors. Yeah. And, of course, Lantana is just tough as nails, too. Awesome, right. Yeah, we and use that a lot. Another brand new one, Snow Princess Lobularia, which is sweet alyssum, but it, this is not like any other sweet alyssum. Uh, it bloomed through the summer in Miami, Florida. Wow. Through the and summer? That's insane. Through the summer, and it's a big beast. I'm in Missouri. I had it last year. It bloomed through the summer for me without stopping. It's super fragrant. It's super vigorous. Clean white flowers. It's hmm. very, very cool. And then my last one is Super Tuna Vista Bubblegum, which I think is potentially <laughs> the best uh, uh, landscape plant on the market. <laughs> Super Tuna Vista, Vista Bubblegum. Bubble yeah. So it's pink, I'm guessing? It is. It's bright bubblegum pink. I had a single plant that I planted in May from a four-and-a-half-inch pot a couple years ago. It was 18 inches tall. And it was three feet by five feet. Awesome. Oh, Never my God. Never had to be deadheaded. It was buried in hot bubblegum pink blooms from May till, I don't know, like October. That's awesome. Super tunia. It's true to its name. <laughs> Carrie, <laughs> it's, it's, its name. Carrie, it's been great talking to you. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up today's show. But you have been a blast. And it's really fun to to talk about names and what you do. I think you've got a fantastic job. And if you need any people to go with you on the road show, yeah. Alice and I would be happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, so, we can do a remote show sometime. Yeah, huh? we have to that talk about fun. that. Okay, well, thanks so much, Carrie Mayer from Proven Winners. Everybody go to their website, check out their regional matrix. And buy their plants uh, yeah, this and spring. Check out what's new um, in the name in the naming of plants. So... Thank you to Jack Inslee for producing and Nat Wiener for engineering. Thanks to Roberta's Pizza and Bushwick, Brooklyn. 
And you've been listening to We Dig Plants. If you missed any part of the show, please note that it is always available via archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.com, and via podcast. Please leave comments and join our Facebook page, Groundworks Inc., We Dig Plants, or visit our website, groundworksgardens.com. Happy gardening. See you in the garden. <laughs>